0: Welcome to the Oklahoma State Sports Extra podcast. I'm Eli Letterman with Kelly Hines. We're back again. Um, Thank you for joining us for kind of a passing of the beat episode as I close out my time in Stillwater and on the OSU beat and Kelly gets back started on hers. I guess before we dive in with me, Kelly, you went to Oklahoma State. You've covered the Cowboys and Cowgirls before. What are you most excited about uh, about being back, and I guess just tell the folks who might not know, I don't know why they wouldn't, they should have been following along this whole time with you, but what what they don't know about you and what you're most excited about to be back in Stillwater.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been eight years since I was on the beat before, and I think, um you know, just being back, and I'm not living in Stillwater, but spending a lot of time there, um, you know, so many um, of the people, uh, you know, around the athletic department are the same, and I think that's that's the best part of being on a beat. As you know, you know, getting to know the people involved and seeing so many familiar faces that has definitely made it a lot easier. Still trying to get caught up on on all of the personnel with the teams and everything, but um, definitely excited to be back. And you know, I think it's such a great time for um, OSU with with all of its, um, you know, so much success across the board when you look at just about every sport. Um, is, is really thriving. Um, so to see that success um, within the programs, um, that's been really cool to see. You know, from a distance and now um, covering it up close, um, it's it's been um, it's been good to be back.
0: Yeah, I think what I I mean, I came onto the Oklahoma State beat total outsider uh, last August and and covered last year. And what I found, one of the things I found really interesting were all the connections, like and ties. Like it's not just a football coach who's been around; it's Mike Gundy who has been there. Since he got to Oklahoma State in 1986, and and his is, is there Chad Weiberg, he came and went, but his blood is in Stillwater. Josh Holiday, there's a whole lineage there, so all those ties seem ties seem to really run through things more so than you know even other schools uh, in Stillwater, and I found that really interesting. But to your point about it being an interesting time, it's like there's there's the new and the old. Where, where Chad Weiberg, for instance, is a someone who dates back all the way to the 90s in Stillwater, but he's kind of that the new face of Oklahoma State Athletics. You've got President Casey Shrub. Um, I think you can look at the basketball programs with JC Hoyt and Mike Boynton as, as kind of windows into the future. So it is a really interesting time and uh, obviously quite a last year um, in Stillwater. But Kelly, before we do the sports, you're gonna be spending more time in Stillwater again. Food. What what are you most excited about being around a bit more restaurants and things like that in still
1: Oh man, um, you know what makes me feel like super old is seeing how many of the places that I went to whenever I was in college that are <laughs> especially on campus that are now closed, like I could talk about that for a very long time. But in terms of places that are still open, um, I really like Thai Cafe, Thai Loco is a place that I recently mm-hmm. discovered, I don't know if you've been there, that place is really good. Um, I could eat dirty
0: Curties every day. Um, probably not the healthiest thing, but we um, are split on the dirty cur I like I am a fan a hot dog guy, of course. I ate hot dogs from the curdy shop, but I never went for the full dirty curdy with what cream cheese, a potato chip, what am I missing? Chili?
1: Um I cheese? think like more cheese. I don't know. Yeah, you know, no. The potato that means- chips on top. Um I'm a big fan of of, of weird combinations, so um, I I love that and it's really not something you should eat every day but I definitely probably could um and you know I, I think there are some new newer restaurants that I, I haven't been to yet um, definitely excited to spend time in Stillwater and I really enjoy eating and um, barn cooks those are you know that's a thing for me um, it's big. I Every time I go to Stillwater, I need to have a barn coke, and it just makes the day so much better. So, yeah, lots of good places. And and I think people kind of dismiss college towns as being college towns, but Stillwater has so many great places. I know it's more than a college town, but really a great collection of restaurants, and I'm going to hit up all of them. It's exciting.
0: Well, I mean, I'll say this. All due respect to the creation, I enjoy their hot dogs. I have enjoyed many of their hot dogs, but not even on my latest night on the strip. I don't know if I could have gone for a, a full curdy dog. I just don't think I could have done it. Um, my my absolute favorite spot is uh, maybe a bit of a hidden gem. I bet people in Stillwater have driven past it a bunch, um, but it's easy to to just drive past. But right on Perkins, across from the Walmart, is a, a taco truck, Sabor Latino. That is my absolute like. That is what perhaps i mean there's a lot of great people in stillwater a lot of great things but what i might miss most about stillwater is this taco truck um that if you haven't tried it yet you must kelly that, that's okay. going to be one of my first assignments to you Okay, um, it's the real deal okay it is and very I mean, much so the real deal
1: if you're going to deal with all of the construction on perkins you might as well get through it with a taco
0: all that Perkins construction would be better with, like, some asada tacos. I, I think that is for sure, but the construction might make it, make you wonder if it's all worth it. Uh, I mean,
1: if, if, if the tacos are really good, it's worth it.
0: That's a fair point. That's fair. I, I'm going to be, I, that'll be my pullback, among a few others to Stillwater's, those tacos. I'm going to ha- have to get back. Um, but you're headed onto the OUB. It's kind of the summertime, or, excuse me, the OSU beat. That was a bit of a, a slip there. Um, the OSU beat in in, in the summertime, which is kind of a quiet time. Uh, We we never quite know. I mean, a month from now, last year is when OU and Texas split from the Big 12 and a quiet time turned into a not so quiet time. So knock on wood, I don't want to give us a heftier workload than we've already got. But uh, it's a quiet time and we're going into we're kind of in between, you know, the end of one sports year in Stillwater and the beginning of the next. So I think before we look ahead, we got to look back um and so if you, you think back to last august that's when i got here and you know that oklahoma state team i think the only people uh who who thought you know we were saying big 12 championship worthy team were were mike gundy were, were some of those players on that team and then there they were they took us on that ride and and you've got some historical context on osu I've, i was there for the one year but um for them to have the team they had and then to get through november which i know is like the month for Oklahoma State, where good seasons have often gone to die. Um, For them to get through that month, to have the stumble in Arlington um, in the Big 12 title game, but then to go to the Fiesta Bowl and and beat Notre Dame in a big way, I guess, you know, in a sense, you've seen a lot of Oklahoma State teams trip up in November. For them to finish Uh that out, what does that tell you about, I guess, where they were last year? And maybe, again, I, I look forward to the future.
1: Yeah, I mean, just um, having, you know, been able to watch a lot of those games, um, you know, just seeing, uh, you know, really just how enjoyable of a season it was, like, you know, you didn't even have to be a fan to really enjoy, um, you know, the way that that team played. And I think so much of that, um, at least, you know, from whatever I, I, what I saw was, you know, the confidence that Spencer Sanders had in himself and in, in the offense. And obviously, the defense was good, too. But I think, you know, you he kind of was the face of the team in a a lot of ways and just seeing his belief that, you know, and he still has that. I mean, obviously that wasn't just a one season thing, but seeing him, you know, have that confidence to go out and win games and then seeing them do that, that, you know, really was striking to me because I've, I've, you know, I've seen a lot of good OSU teams um, like you mentioned trip up in November or have confidence and not be able to follow through and just to be able to see them, you know, have that really great season and you know just with a lot of you know pieces back you just felt like you know they're they're setting the stage for for what could be another good season so um you know, really impressive what to see, you know, at all of the accomplishments that they, they had and, and, you know, to see guys like Malcolm Rodriguez, you know, really shine on defense, you know, and anytime there's a, a somewhat local tie that, you know, once guys, you know, we, we knew of when they were in high school, that always makes it more enjoyable. Um and I think just the excitement around the team, it just reminded me a lot of, of 2011, which is a season that I covered. Um, you know, obviously that that was another really good year with a lot of really fun to watch players. It just kind of reminded me of that because, you know, there, you just, when, when a team is having that sort of season, you see a lot more orange, even here in Tulsa, you see, yeah. you know, more people are talking about OSU and it just to have that, um, sort of season, I, I think that was, um, great for the university, and and those are the types of seasons that, you know, anytime there's a good season, enrollment is up, you know, it just becomes more of a, a talking point for a lot of people who maybe weren't connected to it before.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the day after the festival, I wrote a story, whether it was the headline or the, the nut draft, was about, this was Gundy's tightest team. They were really close, and it was a group of guys who been, I mean, you had your Malcolm Rodriguez's, Devin Harper, I mean, the, the safeties group was a cast the characters in its own right and you, it was a really tight group and I think that was probably part of the secret sauce but also you can see how much they enjoyed that ride and so it was a special team and you mentioned 2011 that was something of a springboard and I think Oklahoma State at least the feeling there and certainly yes Mike Gundy's that last year has to be a springboard for them particularly at this time where the Big 12 is, is shifting and college football together is shifting it's an opportunity for Oklahoma State to take advantage and they have to um, but this offseason you know, they. They lose a lot of the guys from that team just due to graduation, the draft. They lose Jim Knowles, but then kind of counterpunch, I think, by bringing in Derek Mason, a proven, um, you know, defensive coordinator there. Having covered spring camp, where do you feel like this team, where are the question marks with this team, um, if if I were to say to you, how how do they make it a springboard, build on it? uh, What needs to go right this year for for it to be a building, building process?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a bizarre spring just because, you know, there was just no depth um, up front on offense. And so, you know, everything that they wanted to do was was a struggle because of that. And then you look on on, on the defensive side and they just have incredible depth and, and talent up front. Um, and but, you know, I think just seeing how Derek Mason's defense comes together, that's obviously, you know, going to be a big storyline. But it definitely was was looking Really solid, solid during the spring, and he is just an incredibly impressive person. And you know, he spent like six weeks like deconstructing the defense just to put it together. And you know, he compared it to like when he tinkers with old cars, and you're like, okay, that makes sense. Um, he's just like kind of someone who blows you away, like when you talk to him. So I, I definitely feel like the players are going to be, you know, very fired up to play for him um, once it gets to fall. Um, you know, obviously, you know, I think that the depth on the offensive line, a lot of that will be resolved. You know, you have some some pieces coming in. It's just going to be a matter of of how those pieces all fit together because there is a lot of versatility, um, you know, within the offensive line. Guys can play different positions, and it's just trying to plug them in the right places. Um, You know, linebacker, obviously, some big shoes to replace there. But, I mean, I feel really good about the pieces that they have, um, really, across the board. Um, And I think uh, just trying to see – You know, some of those, those players are going to be stepping into bigger roles, how that goes for them. You know, a guy like Mason Cobb, obviously that's a guy who, you know, there's going to be a lot of um, attention on, on how that um, goes for him. And I think really every every position group, they're, they're interesting storylines. So um, it definitely seemed like during the spring, there was a lot of excitement, you know, that carried over from last season. And that's what you want to see. Um, So just, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, well, I think I'm most interested by the offensive line because this is a huge year for Spencer Sanders. I think a lot more, maybe even more so than last year, Oklahoma State's success will hinge more on Spencer Sanders than its defense. And in the past, when Spencer Sanders has struggled, uh, Mike Gundy hasn't laid off him, but he's often said, well, we didn't protect him well. And so this is the story with probably all but a handful of programs every year, the offensive line, and what it can do is part of the story here. But I think For Oklahoma State, if if you say Spencer Sanders needs to be good for this team to be good, then that's got to start with the offensive line. So they'll have um, some figuring out to do. I think they've got plenty of talent there to work with, but they're going to have some figuring out. I I wonder if, like, last year, of September may look a bit interesting or or you're seeing guys rotate around and, and the hope there being that by October when Big 12 play begins that this team has it figured out up front and can protect him. That'll be important, Uh, I guess. You know, it's amazing, as I think back on the last year, just how eventful it was. um, All while this football team was making their big run, we woke up on November 3rd, 2021, to find out that the sanctions had been upheld against Oklahoma State basketball, the men's basketball program. And that was a shock. It was an emotional day. And then that really hung over um, the entire season in ways that, at first, the team maybe didn't want to acknowledge, saying we are keeping that out. And then by the end, acknowledging fairly that that was a significant issue um, and something that really did seep in. Um, But they've now hit the off season, man, voice is going. They hit the off season.
1: Are you going to be okay?
0: No. Okay. I'll take
1: take over. Uh, Yeah. I I think, um, you know, some key pieces are gone, but you got to, you have a really good roster um, back. And I think, um, with Mike Boynton, you know, I haven't been around basketball a ton, um, but just the enthusiasm that he has about his players, I think that's that's one of the things that's impressed me the most about him, regardless of how it goes. Like, he loves his guys, and they love playing for him, so I think, um, you know, that was obviously a really difficult um, situation, difficult season, and now, you know, with that in the past and some, some different pieces coming in, I think that they can like really put that behind them and now focus on, okay, all of our goals are in front of us. Now there's not anything that can hold us back. um, And let's, let's turn a page with that. So I think, um, you know, just with how he is as a coach, um, you know, the guys who were part of that team last year, there's going to be a hunger that's, that's different, you know, from, from last season. And I think that's, kind of what I'm looking forward to, you know, in addition to, you know, it's just different kind of with basketball because you you have, you know, a little bit more face time with, with each player and you kind of can get to know them in a different way than with football. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, um, I know basketball season is still a ways off, but um, I always look forward to basketball season for that reason, because you you kind of get to know the personalities a little bit more um and you know just figuring out all of them um obviously you've done a lot of uh, great stories about you know the guys who, who have been on the team but you know in terms of the new ones you know just figuring them out and finding their stories like I love that aspect of of being a beat writer so um you know we've got to a, we'll wait until then but um I'm definitely very excited to to see how this basketball team
0: comes together. Thank you for the save there kelly we're full disclosure i'm in the final stages of a COVID isolation um <clears throat> but with my gosh man, man it's back it's back He's not, boy, <laughs> um you know last season they didn't really get the chance to build on the Cade cunningham year which would have been looked upon as like all right we have the number one pick now let's go to the moon from there and it didn't happen for a number of reasons maybe it never you know, I, I think there's questions at least, you know, would that have happened with or without the sanctions, but that was the reality. Uh, but this is a big year. I think for them, I think the expectation has to be going in um, that they've got to make the tournament uh, or at least be there uh, in at the end of the season. And so uh, it should make for a good one. And speaking of building JC Hoyt, uh, new women's basketball coach, that's kind of a, the start of a new era and probably um, it was probably it's time for probably a, cha- a change, there and a new face um, and, and, I think it should, I would imagine, put some more more people in the seats um, at, at GIA next year, just people who are intrigued by what JC Hoyt's gonna be able to bring.
1: Yeah, and you know, I was that was I think my first um, time back to Stillwater on the beat was her introductory news conference. And she kind of reminds me of Mike Boynton, just like very enthusiastic, very passionate. And um, to, anytime there's a coaching change, I think that there's going to be renewed excitement. But I think she really um, kind of took that to another level um, with with her like own excitement. So you know, she um, on that day, you know, stood in front of like you know donors and and you know select fans and different people who were there and was like, "We need your help to to get this going." And I, I definitely think that um, you know, with with the players who decided to stay, um, and then the, the quite a few transfers coming in, you know, they have a chance to have success in the first season. And the program, I think, is is set up for her to be successful. Um, Obviously, she's had success at other places. Um, I really felt like this was a good fit for her because she's from the region. She's coached in the Big 12. Um, She knew Chad Weiberg um, previously. Just everything um, lined up for that to you know, at least on paper, be a great hire. Um, you just don't know how it's going to go from there. I mean, I every, anytime I cover an introductory news conference, I think about all of the introductory news conferences I've covered when, when things did not go well from there. Um, so you just, you can be easily impressed by someone on day one, but then, you know, you just don't know how it's going to go. So, but I definitely feel like um, it's set up for her to be successful. And I, she's obviously a good coach. She has good players on the team. Um, you know, you're playing in a, in a great historic arena. Um, you have a good staff that you've compiled. I, I think everything is there. I think there's support from the university. I think really with every sport, I think that that's um, really uh, one of the things that that's um, struck me you know, being back on the beat is, is how I um, just, you know, the university, the, from president all the way down, I feel like there's support there um, for athletics, and, and I don't know how much of that was there in the past, but it just seems like it's there now, and that's what matters, so I, I feel like, you know, that's going to be really interesting to see how it goes in year one, um, because it could go any number of ways, but yeah. I, th- I feel like it could be good.
0: Yeah, I think I think every program at Oklahoma State and every school that's going to remain in the Big Twelve kind of has a maybe a bit of a um, they're going to hit a juncture here where they they go one way or the other as things change. And but I do think with the women's basketball program with J.C. Hoyt, uh, with the talent there is in this state in, in women's basketball, and and now she's going to be competing with another kind of rebuilding, but you know promising. They had a really promising first season with Jenny Bronchek, the, the Sooners in Norman. Um, are, are on the rise. And I, I think it'd be amazing if five years from now we're looking at both of these coaches still in their jobs and to see what they built and hopefully they'll be building something pretty special. Um, we're probably not going to get to everyone here. We've got, I mean, the equestrian team, national champions. We've got a national champion in cross country and in indoor track or one of the other, Taylor Row. Um, the tennis team's had great seasons, but we've only got so much time. So we'll go to, we'll, we'll close out with softball and baseball, the two big spring sports. Um, who sort of uh, at times this season, their seasons mirrored each other of some really high highs and during the regular season, some lows and, and fighting out of that. But it was Oklahoma state softball that, that kind of kept it going and had that momentum all the way into June and their run here in Oklahoma city, whereas baseball program, um, which at times this year, I mean, they rattled off some like 12 straight wins. They looked, they looked like the Oklahoma team that would be in Omaha. Meanwhile, later today, we'll be watching the Sooners there. Um, but but with the softball program, this was the, the, the latest, greatest year under Kenny Gajewski. Um, the furthest they've made it under him, they matched the the, the high win total. Um, and again, you know, in, in year seven for him, it was another sign of progress. Uh, as they, I don't know about, it's, it's a hard gap to close, but they're beginning to to at least get closer and closer to what Oklahoma is. Uh, and that's pretty spectacular when, when you consider where the program was when he took over.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, you know, OSU has never had a women's team win an NCAA championship, but I feel like they're so close, it's just like a matter of time, you know, I think with tennis, and I mean, you could literally go down the list, but, you know, especially with softball, where that program is now, just compared to where it was 15-20 years ago, I mean, to be a contender, um, when you've had to play in the same conference as, as OU and, and you're kind of, you know, overshadowed somewhat because of, of what, you know, OU has been able to do, have, have that sustained success. Um, I think it's been really fun to see uh, this OSU program um, just build and build and build to the point that, you know, they're, they're almost there. You know, they, they've had that success and now they're able to get really good players um, I saw them. Uh, I've seen them play Tulsa several times when I was on the Tulsa beat, and just to see them, them, you know, the the amount of talent that they have, like it's hard to envision them being much better than what they are. And when you're at the top, um, I know it's still, you know, you still have a ways to go before your your program like OU. But to be there, um, I mean, it's it's really incredible, and it, and it's just been fun to see. Um, and I, I think. Um, along with that, just seeing softball in Oklahoma become what it is, you know, colleges and high school, um, a lot of talent, and, um, you know, even at the lower levels, we've seen that um, with the success of the the other programs, other college programs have had, um, I think that that has made it really enjoyable. If you're a softball fan, like Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma is a great place to be, so I think (laughs) it. That's uh, it couldn't be better anywhere else. I know other states have good softball, but this is definitely the the best place where you can see a variety of teams have success And OSU um, to have the program
0: where it is now. It's been really impressive to see. I mean, you've got Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You've got further down like Roger State's national champion. Uh, Oklahoma dominated softball this year. And at the end of it whether the Oklahoma schools are even in it, which this year they were. We, we were this close to that Bedlam final. You're going to have the College World Series in OKC. So if you yeah. are a softball fan, there's not a better place to be. Kelly, while I was in OKC with the softball, you were enduring some very long nights at O'Bright Stadium. And you saw Oklahoma State close out a season against clearly a, a pretty talented Arkansas team that is uh, still alive in Omaha. So they, they didn't go out. They didn't get upset by a, a you know small score or anything. But I, I think most people would probably register this Oklahoma State baseball season in the end is, is a disappointing finish. What was the the vibe there at the end of of what they felt happened and, and where they felt like they're going to go from here?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of a crazy regional, not just with all of the run score, but you, know, you look, I know that every regional, like once you get to the postseason, anyone could beat anyone. But it, it was it was really impressive to see those four teams up close. And, you know, I think the thing with Arkansas, you know, they'd lost like six of eight or some some they were not doing well going into the regional, but they had a they had quite a few fans there. They they definitely seemed motivated by their struggles, um, which had, you know, were very recent struggles. Whereas OSU, incredibly talented team. Um, just you know, baseball is just, it's a, it's a tough sport throughout the duration of a season to stay really steady. And even though I felt like there was a certain level of consistency at times, it just, you know, the expectations were very high and, you know, just getting it done is not easy, especially in those settings. Once it gets to a really high stakes um, you know, once 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 you're in the postseason, I, I definitely felt like fans were, were disappointed, especially the, with the way it played out. Um, still was a good season. It just, you know, definitely left you wanting a little bit more, even though there was a lot of baseball played, especially over, over those few days. It definitely like kind of, you know, you felt like it was there for, for OSU's taking and it just didn't really go completely according to plan. And some of that is, you know pitching and and just, you know, different things that play into it. But I think maybe just from having seen OSU baseball over the course of my entire life, I know how difficult it is to to really put it all together when the season is on the line. And that's yeah. been a recurring thing. So I definitely felt like they could have made it to Omaha. It definitely was, was an Omaha type team. But making that happen, especially when you have a team like Arkansas in your regional, which, as you mentioned, still playing a really good team. Um, I, I just did not really come together in the best way. But it's still, you know, that I'd never really covered um, college baseball before, um, just because of the way we had our beats set up previously. And, you know, it is really enjoyable. Um, both baseball and softball, I think, are so underrated in, in terms of um, you know, what it's like to cover those sports. We always talk about football and basketball, but, you know, those sports are so enjoyable to cover, especially when once it gets um, to late in the spring and early in the summer. And I just absolutely loved, you know, kind of being thrown in late in the season was was a challenge, but trying to figure those guys out um, mm-hmm. and they're different pers- Personalities that was really enjoyable, um, and you know they they're obviously going to lose some talent, but they had a lot of young players who I, I feel like they can um, they can build on this season.
0: Perhaps most crucial, at least up ahead for Oklahoma State, is is what's going to happen in the Major League Baseball draft. Jackson Holiday, familiar last name there, uh, son of Matt Holiday, nephew of, of Josh Holiday, and and whether he's going to he'll, he'll be drafted high. We know that. But whether he'll choose to to sign with whichever major league team takes him or, or come to Stillwater next year, that could have some pretty significant bearing um, on on what next season looks like. But I think as we've learned with with Josh Holiday's teams, he, he's always going to bring talent back. They're going to be uh, competitive at the top of the Big Twelve, and then it just comes down to what they can do uh, when when we hit May and June. Uh, but Kelly, I think that wraps it up. I think we hit everything, uh, and if we haven't, I'm sure we'll hear about it um so I, I think that does it we're, we're gonna head out for some both of us for some needed vacations and then we'll be back for big 12 media days and the whole thing and, and it'll all start again but i'm really really excited to be passing off the beat to you if i had to pass it off to anybody and I'm really thrilled to see what you're gonna be doing in Stillwater. Well, thank, you.
1: thank you, I feel like I have big shoes. So Phil. you did a really great job. I know <laughs> it was it was a short time on the beat, but um, I know that you um, established relationships and, and now I'm gonna try to uh, step into those and and carry it on.
0: Just most importantly, I need you to make sure Marshall Scott's doing okay. He's, yeah. that's, that's my biggest concern is not being there. Is Mr. Pistols firing? As long as he's taken care of, we'll be good. Oh yeah, I'm sure he'll be fine. All right, folks. Well, thank you for listening. You can find us. Clearly, you found us somewhere if you're, you've gotten to this point of the podcast, but uh, you can find us at TulsaWorld.com. And of course, all of our words there. Uh, podcasts can also be found on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google, anywhere you get your podcast. I'm sure you can find us. Uh, and thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.